Hello, and welcome to the One Stop Co-op Shop Podcast, your one stop for co-op news and reviews. This week, Jason Perez is here to entertain you with some more shelf stories. Yo, my peoples, what's up? Welcome back to Shelf Stories, the channel that tells tales from games, books, and life. And also, welcome to the One Stop Co-op Shop Podcast. I am your host, Jason. Thank you so, so much for stopping by for this chat with friends. We are doing a preview this week uh, of a pretty cool game that is coming from Druid City Games. I have reviewed a couple of their games and a couple of more games are coming in. You've seen Magic, um, what's that? The Grim Forest is over here. That's been her there the whole time. I did not set that up. <laughs> that is not a kiss butt move that has been there the entire time. I like uh, games that look like books. Um, so uh, we have another game called Bloodstone coming out. It's kickstarting very, very soon. Uh, I have the designer. I have the publisher. He is from Druid City Games. I, he is also from uh, Skybound Games. Maybe you could tell a little bit about the difference there. Uh, he is from the Board Game Spotlight Podcast. He is from your social medias, wherever you see. Uh, this man will probably pop up on your feed. This is James Hudson. Welcome to the show. What up, y'all? How are y'all? <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that intro, you know, I, I do. Uh, I'm sorry if you have to see my face or hear my voice in all the things. That's my bad. <laughs> Too many things. <laughs> so Skybound, Tabletop, and Druid City, maybe just break down very quickly what that is, that distinction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, I started uh, with, a, with a buddy, Doug Butler, uh, Druid City Games, which we did Grim Forest, and then we co-published that with Skybound. And the more that we worked together, the more that they were like, hey, we should just probably just make this a more, a, a, right. a more formal thing. And so uh, Druid City Games actually became a brand under Skybound Tabletop, and they hired me, and I, that's where I work full-time now, Skybound nice. Tabletop. All right. So it is, so they are two, still two separate imprints, but for the most part, one. Exactly. Exactly. All right. And we are coming up on a new release. So we're going to preview this new release, which is Blessed, which is coming out on Kickstarter very, very soon. The date being? February 16th. February 16th. Excellent. That is around the time when this podcast will land. Uh, so we're going to get into uh, the Bloodstone. But because if you've seen, especially if you've listened to Board Game Spotlight, I think I highly recommend that podcast. Hasn't really kicked up in 2020. I think everybody can agree that 2020 is just like, you know, yeah. <laughs> do the best you can, muddle through. Matter of fact, I had to pause my own podcast and re reboot it after like five months. Um, sure. So that's just, you know, the way it goes. Uh, but if you, if you have any chance to go into the back catalog, you know that it's a very reflective podcast. It's a very kind of, um, it's a good look at the industry and different trends in the industry. So I'm going to ask a couple of questions about where the industry is going after. But we're here to do business. <laughs> we, are <Yeah>. here. <laughs> we are here to talk about Bloodstone. So Bloodstone is an arena combat game. Mm -hmm. It has yep. a competitive mode and a cooperative mode and a solo mode. Mm -hmm. So we got all that stuff in there in that in the arena game. So the way I'm going to ask this question is, what is missing from the board game world that Bloodstone tries to fill? It's a great question. Um, I would say phew, you did not give me any prep for this, so ah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. I like I like being put on the spot. It's fine. <laughs> You know, and I think that's a great question to ask anybody who's making a game, right? Because Absolutely. it's one of the things when I try to give people advice about their Kickstarter, because I get asked a lot, like, you know, what should I do to get people to pay attention to my Kickstarter? And, you know, my number one answer to that now is make something people have to pay attention to, because so many of the games that are launched on Kickstarter are, are just so samey, you know, and 
who gets – I mean, I have backed over 900 Kickstarters myself. Uh, you can't see the shelves back here, but it's filled with Kickstarters. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what, what makes me want to back a game? What gets me excited, right? And some, right. something – somebody's doing something different, whether that's – you know, whether it's a, it's a mechanic or it's a theme or it's the art or the lore, whatever it is, like mm-hmm. you've got to yeah. do something different. You can't just come with the same old, same old. I want to look at a game and I want to think like, oh my God, I was missing that the entire time. And I, I thank God somebody made that. Or I didn't even realize I wanted that until I saw it. Yeah. You know, so it's all, you're always meeting a need and always meeting a want. So Bloodstone has to do that in order to get the attention. So I'm wondering sure. what, what is, what need in the gaming community, whether we know it or not, Will Bloodstone try to fill? So I, I'll tell you one thing that we're, we're, we're trying to do, and we don't know, like this is where I don't mind taking chances. Um, that's been kind of part of my gig all the way from the beginning. I like to take risky moves or as someone else said, swing for the fences. Sure. Um, and Bloodstone, so we're doing something that I don't know that it's ever been done. We're launching a novel, like a real novel, not like a, a fanfic, not like a thing that's just going to be printed and thrown in the box. This is signed with Simon and Schuster, like a national publisher. This mm. this book will be in Barnes and Noble. It'll be in Books a Million, all those places, right? We had to hire a author to help us write the book, and that stuff's not cheap. Like, there's a big expense with that. We're we're launching a novel with the board game. Now, I know there have been board games that have become, you know, had novels written about them, say like Warhammer. Or there's been the opposite, like Scythe, where it was a novel and then we made a board game, but never together, not the same time as a, you can get a novel and read the, read the story along with play the game. And I, one of the reasons I wanted to come to Skybound is they, you know, they're very, they're based in LA. They're based under, it's Robert Kirkman's company um, from the, you know, the creator of The Walking Dead. And they have a lot of connections in TV, film, video games, comics. Mm-hmm. And I want to see board game IPs go into multiple channels. And I think that's one of the big things that could really elevate board games, right? Is to start getting our games, uh, our love. I'm like an evangelist, you know, for board games. I'm like, how do we get more mass appeal for board games? How do we, we've got this secret. We know it's so good for our families and our friends and our relationships to play games together. How do we, how do we share that with the world? And, uh, it was one of the things that excited me about coming to Skybound. So mm-hmm. I would say that's that's one of this is like the biggest swing of the fence, right? Like there's been uh, if anybody's seen our narrative trailer that we did, it's fully animated. Uh, it's original song and score, sound effects, professional vocals. It's a word that I saw it and you linked it to me. It's a word that I can't say on a family friendly channel, but the initials are B.A. So fill in the <laughs> gap on that one. <laughs> well. And, and so I've got a lot of influence. I grew up a Warcraft nerd. You know, I'm a Blizzard fanboy and played a lot of Diablo, Diablo 2, Starcraft. Uh, but World of Warcraft was one of those things that, like, I flunked out of college because of, you know? And uh, that's not, don't do that, kids. If you're listening, don't do it. Um, but, you know, you see them when, they'll, when they're getting ready to launch a new expansion or release a new game. They, they hook you with a narrative. Trailers. They drop these incredible animated trailers, and you're just like, I just watched a five-minute movie, and I loved it. Right. And that's what I wanted to do with Bloodstone. So that's what the narrative trailer, uh, that's what its attempt was. And just so people know, that was 10 months worth mm. of work for a three-minute video. Mm. And, not, and not cheap. 
Definitely not. Mm -hmm. And so now I understand why we don't get to do it in board gaming too, because you know, our margins, no, and I, and I, this, this is a rant that we don't have to get into right now. Uh, it's, it's okay. Probably, it's it's all probably, good, it's man. probably we, another episode. We get uh, under the hood on this one. If you want to do, <laughs> go ahead and scratch that itch a little bit, go ahead. Well, <laughs> I, I say this and uh, somebody's going to put it on a t-shirt one day, but like nobody in board games is driving Lambos, you right. know, um, nobody's getting filthy rich Mm-mm. with board game margins. And so, you know, it's, it's a, it's a thing that you do because you're passionate about it and that you love it. And you want to make a living doing the thing that you love. Uh, we're none of nobody. I mean, even the Asmo days, uh, you know, sure. They're, they're probably doing fine, but they're no one's, this isn't video game money, right? Like we just don't have that volume. So uh, anyway, it's, it's a thing where, you know, I always talk about supporting the small indie publishers or in, in, in this, the grand scheme of things, I, I see these threads online all the time with like, why does Simon still go to Kickstarter? They're such a huge company. Simon is not a big company. Mm-hmm. Like for board game, relatively, you know, board right. games. Yeah, sure. They're, they're big, but in the grand scheme of things, as far as like financials and P and L's and all the really boring stuff, they're not a big company. You could and, look them up. They are publicly traded on the Hong Kong stock exchange. You can see exactly chapter and verse, what volume they're doing. And it's, you know, relative to Druid city games before a merger, it might be something impressive, but you know, look at the rest of the companies on the, at that exchange. And when you look at the way that businesses have to function with cash flow and, and P&Ls and, and uh, stuff that I find extremely boring and I hate. And part of the reason why I also wanted to join another company. So there's other people in the company to deal with that. Not me mm. uh, is, is like, we're not big companies and we do need, and crowdfunding does serve a great purpose for us to be able to front end load our, our and mitigate our risk for projects. Uh, it also just allows, and this is just a, a practical thing, like if I'm making a game that's going straight to retail versus a game that's going to be crowdfunded, they, their component list, the, the amount of, uh, of stuff that's in the game um, is different because you don't have that mitigated risk for a, a straight to retail. So you have to make it work at exactly the MSRP that you said of that. And right. you, can't, you can't go over at all. Whereas crowdfunding, you're like, uh, I can make you a deluxified experience. You know, we can add in all this extra content that we've got made and dreamed up. Like I've got tons of stuff dreamed up for Bloodstone that even in a crowdfunded way, I'm like, well, I mean, I guess if we hit this volume, we can add this where the stretch goal originally came from, not this gamified thing that we have now. Yeah. Where um, it's like the, a chopped up version of the game. We're going to stretch goal that out. That's not, but even, really. even in that, let me just go ahead and counter that a little. Cause okay. even though I, I was the one that kind of said it to begin with, <laughs> Uh, but even there, the things that you've put in that you're taking out to then gamify with stretch goals wouldn't be in a straight to retail release. So if you look at the game as you would get from CMON, if they released it straight to retail, all that content, all those expansions, uh, you know, obviously some of the deluxe fighter components, they wouldn't be there in a straight to retail because it doesn't make sense. Uh, and you put too much risk and you can sink your company, right? So um hey i've had quite a few games that i thought these are going to be mega huge incredible hits and they do fine but they're not you know ask stamey uh stamey uh jamie stegmeyer like he's had games that he's put together that he thought were going to be huge hits and and they weren't and then he has games that he didn't know if they were going to be huge hits wingspan and they were (laughs) so it's just part of doing business i think he ordered 10 times as many copies of between two castles of mad king liquid as he ordered of wingspan and he has a a a room full of between two castles (laughs) 
I think if you talk to uh, publishers who've made more than a few games, you're, you're going to have, you're going to have conversations about warehouses full of games that were misses, you know, right. and they can be misses for a lot of different reasons. I've got several games that own BGG or, you know, sevens and above uh, ranked in the top, say two or 3000. They didn't sell that well. And yeah. it's weird. You don't know why, you know, but mm -hmm. it's also, we have 5,000 games a year to choose from. We can't buy them all. All right, so we have switched the camera. Uh, believe me, if anybody was noticing that a little bit of lag between the voice and the lips, we'll just like adjust and we'll go on the fly. Uh, Mr. James Hudson was just going into the business stuff, the tech stuff too. You got to be good at too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 I know you you're hammering me on that question of what 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 is Bloodstone bringing to the world? So let's get to let's get to Bloodstone. Let's get to that, Bloodstone. that doesn't that it doesn't already exist and right. Um, the game, the actual game itself. The actual game. And so, you know, the experience that I got from when I played Warcraft back in the day was just this immersive, yeah, incredibly fun experience. And so that's what we're trying to give people with Bloodstone is something similar. So that's why I've, we've spent all this time and effort building up the world around Bloodstone so that people can become immersed in this world. Uh, because you know, I know, I know, not everybody cares about that that sort of thing. But I think the people that do are going to really appreciate the art, the lore, the world. We have a fifty-page world bible that we built with the author who's doing the novel, because he was like, "Hey, I can write you this novel, but like, we really need to like, you've got some like little toothpicks holding up this world that you've built, but like, we need to make it like." skyscrapers and i was like okay, okay i don't know what that means but let's dig and um <laughs> 50 page document later we've mm -hmm. built out the history the 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 currency the socioeconomics the like all of it right the cultures um you know and then working with like say sue sheldon like when we were building out cultures that weren't white dudes because i'm a white dude you know mm -hmm. it's like uh and getting, you know, a consultant to be like, mm, that's, that's problematic right, right there. That's, I can tell you were a white guy who drew that. <laughs> and, you know, and that's, and that's what we should do. Those are, those are the steps that we should go through. But to really answer that question, right? So I think I just want to give players something that immerses them and they have an incredible amount of fun. I, I love stand-up moments at a table. And so, you know, a, a dice chunker uh, where you're heavily invested uh, for your character and your outcome creates those stand-up moments. But I also wanted to make it where it wasn't like, and, and no offense to Magic the Gathering, <laughs> but it wasn't so serious. It wasn't so like uh, competitive. We're in a, you know, I need a judge over here, judge ruling. You know, we don't want those moments where it's right. it, then the, the fun is sucked out of the room. You know, it's, it's more of a, we're all a bunch of buddies. We're chunking these dice at each other. We've got this, these weird potential outcomes and then, all right, we'll roll your dice, Jason, and let's see what happens. Mm -hmm. Cause if this happens, then I win. If this happens, you win. And then we are like, ah, and you know, this was actually the very first game I ever designed. Mm. And, uh, I've been sitting on it for four or five years because I was just, honestly, I was just scared. I was scared. Chicken poop. <laughs> on one of the streams, uh, you're like, you're chicken poop about this. <laughs> for sure. Because it was just, I, in my head, I built it up to where it is now. And I knew if I launched it three, four years ago, I wasn't going to be able to pull it. I didn't have the resources. I didn't have the experience. I didn't have the teammates, you know? And so uh, this is, I, it's also why I'm extremely 
nervous. I think I've put all this weight on myself. Uh, I know this is like my crescendo of my personal game design abilities. Mm. And honestly, you know, I think, I think that's limited. You know, I look at like the, uh, the Eric Langs and the John Gilmore's and the uh, Elizabeth Hargraves of the world. And I'm like, you know, I don't have those chops, <laughs> mm. uh, but I am excited about this one because I think, I do think we've, we've struck an, uh, a chord here mm-hmm. with this one. Let's get into the theme. I'm a theme first gamer, uh, and then we can get into the mechanisms, especially the dice. But uh, we'll get to that. We'll get to that uh, theme. So you are in a gladiator combat, and I'm actually I'm gonna try to get this off of the trailer that sure. you saw. Now, and I'm gonna I'm going to link the trailer in the show notes, so you can go okay. ahead uh, pause the pause the video right now. Check out that trailer. It is very. Now that you say that, it is very World of Warcraft. It is very like sure. you know, Burning Crusade is coming out. We're gonna see Illidan with the big old axes, uh, Wrath of the King, Lich King. We get you know Arthas and the frozen ice and whatever it is, and you get the you're, dramatic you're, music. You're currently music. speaking my love language right now. <laughs> Just keep going. Don't stop. Just keep going. And then the pandas came out. I didn't like that trailer so much. No, no one liked the pandas. <laughs> no one liked no pandas. pandas. <laughs> Speaking of cultural appropriation, we're not, we're not digging pandas right now. Um, anyway, so, but that whole, like, not only, so, okay, so the Bloodstone trailer, right? So the blood, what, what I got, I didn't just get a cool scene. What I got was, I got combat, like, just, like, not just, like, combat, like, pew, pew, but, like, brutal you know, um, mm-hmm. finishing moves and, you know, sorcery. So I got all that. And I also got the Empress or the something. <laughs> like a, she's, a, she's our antagonist for sure. The antagonist, right? A, yeah. a judge, so to speak, kind of mm-hmm. like a Roman Empress type, right? Just judging everything. And then, you know, with a wave of her hand changes the combat. And like, just because she's bored or because she wants a, an effect to happen, I can see all of that stuff playing out in, on the mechanical experience. Yeah. Right. Well, so, so I don't just get, the, and I don't, I've never, I haven't played, I've only watched streams. Right. And we, I would good mm-hmm. to play, but like, I'm not good at this stuff. <laughs> I will, I will get better. <laughs> I promise in terms of like streams and tabletop, tabletop simulator, all that kind of stuff. Um, but so what I appreciated about the trailer was that it told me, it gave me a good sense of like what I'm going to expect in the game. I, and also um, what, the game, like what the motif is. So maybe talk a little bit about uh, how you kind of put that together and how you see theme and mechanism marrying in your game. Yeah. You know, for me, it's, it's crucial that the theme and the mech match, right? Like, because that's, I don't know about you, but anytime there's a really big disconnect when I'm in the middle of playing, I go, huge. This is like why? Why do they even do this? You know what is what, is <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> well, what you know, and and sometimes I think even when you know I, you go back to my second project, Guardians Call. It was just a bluffing game, but I desperately tried to like really marry a theme in there um, and, and make it as serious as I could with the with the budget and the resources that I had. It's always been important to me. I just, I just, I, that's, I, I think you either love it or you don't, you know, and I think there's plenty of Euro games where they've literally just, I've got Carpe Diem right here beside me, you know, and, you know, it's just a painted on picture and it's right. graphics or whatever. And, but the game's phenomenal. I love the game, but the theme is, bleh. and so, yeah, you nailed it with the trailer, right? Like that was exactly what we were going for is how do we introduce people to the, atmosphere of this world but then also wink wink into the mechanics because it doesn't need to be completely just a narrative 
And so you're right. You, you're walking through. You see uh, this champion being essentially uh, drug up to the uh, to the arena. He ha- shares a passing glance with this mother and her newborn, uh, who we're both like, this world sucks. And yeah, this world definitely sucks. And then uh, he has to end up fighting other champions, and he gets just obliterated. And uh, you know, Venera, our uh, high priestess, she's actually now the queen because she established a coup and overthrew the the king and had him essentially killed. Uh, but then she's now she has the bloodstone and the bloodstone is this magical artifact that no one really understands, but it's been around forever and it has caused ruin in the world for as long as anyone can remember. But it had been, it had been like stuffed away in this monastery. This, and, and these, this, this sect of monks was able to essentially use their inner song to calm its call to other, to other people uh, and for a long time, people had no known peace. Well, not anymore. Uh, Venera came and raised the monastery, took the bloodstone, and now it's being bad. She's bad. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, and, and one of the, the big play for her here with these champions that she's got in this arena is, hey, I've captured the world's finest champions, and they fight to the death at my whim. Mm-hmm. And I have them under my thumb. And, oh, not only that, I can raise them from the dead after they kill each other. Now I've become bored with them killing each other. Now they're going to chase, uh, face some of my challenges. And that's where we were nodding to the gameplay of its PvP and PvE, or you know, non-video game terms is, is player versus player and then co-op mode. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, the outro there is like, there's really not a resolution in the narrative trailer. It's just a, uh, it kind of leaves you going, man, this world is pretty, pretty dark and this doesn't look like it's going to have a happy ending. <laughs> I don't want to kick her butt. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I hope I can kick her butt so at some point in this game. Uh, okay. So we'll, we'll get to PVP and PVE in a second, but I wanted to like, okay, now we've gotten the, the blimp eye view, right? And let's sure. let's like, let's, let's focus down. I promise people, <laughs> I know I do this every time with one of my previews. It's like 20 minutes of theme and then we'll get it. <laughs> and then all the other stuff, get used to it. Um, so then this is a dicey game. Yes. There's, there is dice at the for inputs. You roll dice mm-hmm. to kind of set yourself up in certain ways. You can talk more about that. And there is dice for the outputs, yep. doing the damage, resolving the damage. There is a lot of <laughs> of diciness yeah. in this game. Yeah. And uh, so maybe talk we'll talk through about how you uh, play all that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think I think one of the the coolest thing that like the core inspiration that I had was. Um, when you each player is asymmetric, has their own set of abilities, own set of custom dice and custom mm-hmm. dice are kind of like a two way street. Sometimes I can roll some of my custom dice because it's my own ability that buffs me. And then sometimes I have dice that I put into your hand, Jason, that's either it's, it's, it's messing, either messing with you, doing damage to you, or it oh, nice. could, if, if it's, if it's co-op, it's buffing you. If it's PVP, it's, it's not helping you. Right. Right. And so it has this cool thing where like sometimes you'll pick up your hand to roll on your turn and you've got all your dice, but then you've got two or three other dice from other players that do these other effects. And you're like, I don't know what's going to happen with this combination of things when I roll it. So let's just see what happens. Right. And it feels good. It feels good to say, Oh, I'm playing Vrock the barbarian. He has this bleed effect, these bleed dice. And so when I hit you, I leave a bleed dice in your hand. So every time you roll in the future, you're like bleeding out health over time. And then I'm absorbing it for blood energy, which that's a whole nother mechanic that we might get there but like so you've got these things that like it i don't know another game that does something like that and right. so for me that was another like 
what are we bringing this new? You know, if yeah, it's a not lot a new of, thing. Yeah. A lot of Rita games, they just have dice for the output. Yeah. You know, um, I'm thinking like Hoplomachus has a, has, a, mm-hmm. has a custom dice system. Hoplomachus from Chip Theory Games, their first game is Arena Combat game. Uh, and, you know, the, the outputs are dice, but, and it's custom and there's not, you're not like, you know, you're not at the wins and everything, but like, you know, when you're inputting, when you're setting things up, it's just, you know, what am I going to do on my turn yeah, uh, sure. for the most part? <laughs> but and so if you're here, if you're listening to this right now and you're like oh god rng i hate mm-hmm. dice this is just gonna be a dice chunking rng fest the other half of the game or the other big bucket is our initiative cards in our hand and they're highly highly strategic and they're multi-use and so you're gonna have these moments of like yeah 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 this 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 determines my speed when i'm gonna go in the round but it also has an ability attached to it and so i can maybe get some dice into my hand or force some dice out that it hasn't is strategic. Right. But then it, there's this like exile system where I can permanently throw this card away and get a very powerful effect, but I only get it this one time. Is this the right time to do it or would it be better to wait? Um, and so, the, you know, I, I feel like it's balanced in a way. Like we've already been taking play testers. We've already been getting feedback from people who've played games like Hopla, Hopla Maca, getting the redneck from Alabama to say words <laughs> like Hopla Maca is, is great. Um, I did it. Hey, man, yes. Alabama's 49th in education, and I am just a byproduct, unfortunately. Um, is that the Jeff Foxworthy line? You don't want your brain surgeon to talk like this. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, our state mottos, thank God for Mississippi, um, <laughs> just because they're 50th and everything. We um, love Alabama. We love the South here. <laughs> just, I do too. We're I'm, just kidding around. I'm not kidding. Uh, <laughs> it's, but, so you get these, you get the, what I'm hoping is going to be for most players, both and, and, and having these play testers come in and, and say, Hey, I, you know, I play arena battle games and Hey, this is where your game falls short of this game or that game and we're taking that feedback and we're reiterating and, and, and adjusting because that's where we're at you know sure. like, uh, i was actually talking to someone recently and they were like uh, i'd like to get a i'd like to get a prototype and i want to write a review like not like a preview i want to re i want to review your game and i'm like i mean i get where you're coming from and i see why you would want to do that but the game's not done it's not and so you would be reviewing something that is just a bucket of what it could be and you know, the, a big part of the process, at least if you're, if you're a game designer or a game maker out there listening, get playtesting in as soon as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. I think in the past, I waited too long. Um, and then sometimes you might get a good idea or you might get good feedback that you're like too far down the line in the process. You've already made, you've already made art. You've already done things that you can't come back from. And then you just push it forward as it is. Whereas like now we're getting, a, we're getting this playtesting in now and people giving us that feedback. I mean, I got a scathing, scathing review from a playtester. And, you know, initially your ears burn and you're like, how could you say such awful things about my baby? You know, my <laughs> baby's not ugly. This baby's cute. Uh, and they're like, no, that baby's ugly. And <laughs> once you get past the personal, the emotions of it, right? And you go, okay, well, where's the truth in what they're saying? And yeah, yeah, yeah. Some, this is still highly subjective, but where's the truth? Uh, and then you apply it and you try to make adjustments. I mean, that's, that's what professionals do. You know, you got to be able to get around your emotions and, and go for it. So um, yeah, you've got dice, you've got input output on those dice. You've got a lot of options, um, but at its core, there's not a lot of like 
line of sight or defensive stuff. It's a meat grinder, especially on the PvP side. We're chunking dice. We're punching each other. We're setting off ultimates. You're making these social contracts at the table because it's a lot of times it's it's last person standing. So it's like, well, you know, Jason, you and I have been like pounding on each other and this has been fun, but like Billy over there and Sarah over there, nobody's touched them. Like they're just going to win if we just keep knocking each other out. So the, and it's not in the rules, right? Like these are just things that the players that I've watched over five years, like this social, these social contracts are made and then they're broken and uh, it just ends up being a highly interactive session. So you're getting into the PVP. Is there player elimination here? Oh yeah, there is. But because the way those, those social contracts work, Typically, everybody's health kind of lowers together because, again, you'll see, hey, we haven't hit the Paladin, and the Paladin is full health. And if we don't start right. attacking the Paladin, we're going to just – here's the free win. Here's your free win, you know. Right. And so uh, you might be out around maybe two, but the game's so fast, it's not a big deal. And typically, you're invested in what just happened, so you're, you're okay watching the conclusion of this, of this session, you know. Mm-hmm. So, and yeah. the sessions last how long, like each individual, individual battle? It depends on player count, but I would say, you know, probably 20, 30 minutes is, is a PvP oh, wow. is a PvP match. Yeah. You know, if you've got a big player count, now here's the thing. Um, you can play eight players in PvP. There's no reason that every right. every single player can't be put in there. Uh, right. I've I've only actually played it with seven. We haven't played it with eight. But I don't really see eight being that much different than seven. It's right. it's chaos. It was Fun chaos, but chaos nonetheless. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like Scythe. Like, you can play seven, eight. I don't recommend it for, like, a game night where it's just, like, people floating in, but if everybody's bought in then, and everybody's, like, invested and they want to play their character, then sure. And at, at a 20-minute at clip for, like, the short, like, the, 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 the PvP-ish game, that's not – you can add too much and you're not going to be there for five hours. Right. And, you know, there could be a game that's set up on the side table and uh, is a nice filler in between games while you set up your other games or while you wait for everybody to get there on game night, things like that. Uh, you know, that's what I hope. I, you never know what people are going to use it for. Uh, but, right. yeah, you know, if you're playing seven or eight players, it's not going to be 20 minutes. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, so we are uh, – this channel is focused on co-op and solo, so let's get to that side of the, the table. Sure. Uh, so we – so was this game designed as a – competitive game with co-op coming later or was it baked into the design the whole time so in my mind it was baked in there but i did i did start with the pvp just because that kind of built the framework of how the characters worked and, sure. and built out my um it, and it was easier to test honestly because somebody else but like, here you play this barbarian i'm gonna play the fire mage and let's fight right. um and that's where it cut its teeth but the whole time I wanted to build raid bosses from Warcraft. And that's what I've done. Like it's not, <laughs> Yes. <laughs> there's no trash. There's no, I mean, there right. is an XP system, but it's like very simple. It's not like you're like, well, we're going to run through these sessions just to gain XP. It's, it's a gauntlet of raid bosses essentially. Sure. And every raid boss functions differently. Oh, now, one of the that, things um, that I said, go ahead. What was in, in Warcraft in the Wrath of Lich King expansion, there was like an arena Mm-hmm. Do you remember? Do you remember that arena? Do you remember what it's called? I do. What was it called? I don't remember the name of it. But now in the new expansion, they've got in Maldraxxus, they have another arena that's very similar, where you like go back to back to back to back to back on. Boston. Right, right, back to back. To, yeah, exactly. It's like because there's no trash, and I, I remember being like torn because it's like okay, I, I get to the good stuff, I get to the bosses, but then you know it's like oh wait a minute, I don't get like that's all the content I get. Like they just made a big circle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, darn it. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think I think that's where you know the game in its two different modes. Where if you want to play PvP, it gives you that like another way to play the game. But right. over here, like if we just want to play co-op now, we just we're figuring out these puzzles of these of these raid bosses, and mm-hmm. and that's. You know, one of the things so we you talk wanted about, that puzzle sense of a raid boss. Like they, we have to figure this out together as a team. How are we going? You know, because there's still the swinginess of the dice, right? So you might just get obliterated because it was like the perfect storm of like initiative cards, abilities, and dice rolls from the boss. But usually, it's going. It's it's balanced out where it's a there's there's a system that at work here that we need to figure out, and then we have to figure out how to dance around that system and do the most damage and win. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wouldn't say it's Dark Souls, but as, as far as difficulty, right. but it ain't easy either, right? Like mm-hmm. you should die and get wiped and then go, right. all right, well, we've got to come back and make some adjustments. Maybe I swap out for a different character. Maybe I take a different approach where I don't need to try to like completely go all DPS the whole time, right? Maybe I'll go um, to the boards and I'll find everybody else's rage strad. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> just like could. Warcraft. And, and so the, 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 one of the things that we talk about internally is uh, uh, not making chimichangas. And I know this is totally in the face of Deadpool, but like, we're like, we're, when, I, when I say that, it's like, you know, you, you go to a place and you get a burrito and you get a chimichanga. It's just a burrito that's been fried. Like, it's mm. the same thing, right? And that's what we don't want with our asymmetric abilities, with our players mm-hmm. or our raid bosses. We want them to be like, oh, this is the same boss, mm-hmm. but they just added this one thing every boss looks and feels very different and we worked hard to make it that way. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's the, the bet when Warcraft was at its best, it was like, you go to like, like Nax Ramas. And I know if people don't haven't listened to world of war or don't know world of Warcraft, I don't really care. So there's <laughs> enough, <laughs> enough people have that, that, that they'll pop us like, Ooh, I remember that. But like, I remember what, cause that was to me, that's one of the, I was like the paradigm dungeon that they made because yeah. the bosses were so different. And like there were so many like ways, like lethal ways that they, they could just they could just take you out. It felt unfair, but then you figured it out, and it's like, oh, okay, they they just when don't was, stand. When, don't stand. When it's here. that hard though, it feels so good when you get the win. Like right. it feels like you've accomplished something, you know. And that's what right. I love about any co-op, like Spirit Island. Mm-hmm. Like when you play it and you actually win, you're like, okay, guys, we earned that. Right. We <laughs> that was tough. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't, you know, and and. I guess it depends on the player experience. Like there's, you know, you, the crew, right? You're doing that together. You want to get to the next level and there's nothing wrong with us being short and fast or whatever. So uh, in this case, you set up your boss, you play the boss. If you're, if you're able to beat the boss, then uh, there's some rewards and it drops some loot. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> the players get to decide who keeps the loot. Right. Mm-hmm. Y'all can make a DKP system if you need to, whatever you want to do to determine who gets loot. Uh, all my all old school Warcraft Raider friends are like DKP. I hadn't heard that in a while. Oh my God. Do they even um, do you still do that anymore? My goodness. I don't think so. No, it's not needed anymore though. Yeah. Not the way Warcraft works now. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and then there's, there's also, it unlocks some things that actually move components from the, the co-op mode into the PVP mode to give you more variations of playing the PVP mode. And yeah. so, and then you're like, okay, cool. Let's turn the, the campaign manual. Let's, what's the next boss? You know, oh, let's set it up. You know, what does it do? Right. Uh, and, and it's easy to save and just come back. Well, all right, next week at game night, we're, we've beat the first three bosses. Now we're on the fourth boss. And there's not like, I, I distinguish between collaboration and cooperation. So like collaboration is like talking through the strat and then like, you know, you everybody does their own thing. 
it sounds like with like the borrowing of dice that you've actually put like mechanical cooperation yes, in there. And um, so that's one part. Are there other things that you'd like to highlight in terms of making this a true cooperative game? Yeah. And so your initiative deck also changes face from that PVP side to now PVE. And so uh, the kind of the mechanic here is like in the order that we go as a team is important. And so you can't say, Hey, I'm playing a three. So somebody else play a four and make sure you go after me. But you can say things like, I'm probably going to try to go early this mm-hmm. turn, or I'm going to go later. And the abilities will piggyback off that. And so, you know, your ability might say, uh, I shield the player behind me from five damage or in front of me in, in that turn order. So you, like I said, you can't tell people what you're doing, but you're like, okay, they've already played their two, their five and their six. So they've got their one. Okay. So if I play my four, they're probably going to be in front of me. So I can, someone's going to get this ability. You may not know exactly who's going to get the ability, but you're going to give it to somebody on your team. And that also pinging back full circle leans into the theme of the game because these champions have been forced to kill each other in this arena combat. They're not going to be the Avengers. They're not going to be a (laughs) well-oiled machine that's like, A, the perfect team, right? There is uh, what's uh, John Gilmore's uh, coopetition. It's a very, mm. you know, edgy, like we're working together, but it's because we've been forced to, not because we like all right. agree on everything. Right. And so, so yeah, this guy, you've got, you've got the cards, you've got the dice that can aid each other, that you give each other. And then that you also throw onto the bosses and, and the monsters that you're fighting. So mm-hmm. yeah, there's quite a bit of strategy. And, uh, you know, I think, a lot of times you're going to be like, hey, all right, so let's pause between this round. All right, we're getting, we're getting crushed right now. What is this thing doing to us? Oh, I see. It's got this thing where it's, you know, this aura keeps getting bigger. And if we don't make it, if we don't keep it uh, mm-hmm. down, then we're going to get, you know. So I think that's what's going to be the fun, fun part for the co-op side is just figuring cool. out that puzzle and then working together to beat it. And will solo be possible? Solo will be possible. And so, like, right now we're in heavy dev of that part. Um, we're working with uh, Sin. And Jesse, I don't know if everybody know uh, uh, oh, and uh, right. Jesse Wright, who are the, uh, um, they've, gosh, they've designed all kinds of stuff. Sure. But they're also uh, a powerhouse dev team. And so they're going through, they're devving, they've, they've put their hands on everything in the game, made their suggestions, which again, I would highly recommend people that are making games out there to outsource some dev, even if it's Mm -hmm. light dev, even if it's just like getting somebody to consult and say, I played through and here's the things I think that are problematic or the things that are, you're going to have issues with. Mm -hmm. But we brought them in to do heavy dev because uh, you know, I just, I trust them. I know that they're, they're, they're great and they're talented. So Jesse right now is putting some heavy hours in on the solo because he knows he plays a lot of solo Mm -hmm. and he also knows what people want out of a solo Mm -hmm. experience. So yeah. Nice. All right. Uh, so we've covered Carbon Solo, we've covered Dice, we've covered Theme. Uh, I think we've done a pretty thorough job. Is there anything, any other big selling point that you would like to cover before we move on? Um, you know, this is something that I, in my mind, it's a, it's a three-game arc. It's a mm. three-novel arc, going back to that novel that we talked about before. So, you know, I just hope that people at least just check it out, you know, and sure. see if this resonates with them. I understand this is going to be a very expensive game. It's got big highly detailed minis it's going to have like a hundred custom dice <laughs> uh, it's got some big <laughs> components so i understand if, if it doesn't fit budget wise for people but right. um 
overall, if it, if it strikes a chord, I hope people get into it and I hope that we're able to build an IP out of this because again, one of the ho- things I hope to do here at Skybound is like, can we turn this into an animate a Netflix show? Can we turn it into a video game? Mm. I, you know, I'm, I want to be able to do all those things. Like we're, we've got that same momentum with say title blades, right? Like we had people reaching out to us saying, Hey, would you be interested in turning this into an animated series? And we're like, wow. Yes. But, <laughs> but that's also a lot of work and a lot of infrastructure. So there's things that, you know, things that have to happen first. So, right. Um, yeah. I'm hoping to build like blizzard, these pillars, grim forest, tidal blades, Wonderland's War, Bloodstone, things that we keep coming back to that we grow right. our appreciation of. Mm-hmm. All right. So that was Bloodstone. It will be live on Kickstarter. Uh, as we go, as we uh, drop this, it shouldn't be uh, too long uh, at the middle of February. So um, good luck with the project. That sounds awesome. Thank you. I appreciate that. All right. So we are going to get into some trend, uh, some kind of meta board game discussion, which we were getting into before we got into Bloodstone. And I'd like to return to some of those uh, topics. One thing that you mentioned right at the end, and I noticed this as a trend, and it's actually kind of surprising to me a little bit. Um, So this game is going to be expensive. (laughs) We're talking a hundred plus dollars MSRP. I'm I'm not, I don't know if everything's settled, so I won't announce that, but it's a minis and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And you would think with the way 2020 was with COVID people losing their jobs and, do, and doing whatever mm-hmm. that we would, I thought not knowing anything that we'd see a little bit of a retrenchment, but we saw some of the biggest funded Kickstarters and, you know, mm-hmm. ISS Vanguard made a lot of money for Awakened Realms. Like we've like, it just kept on going. And then like um, fantasy flight released the descent new descent. Then what's the MSRP on that one? Like 175. Yeah. Somewhere yeah. around there. And people are like, yeah. They had that initial like going, but then obviously, you know, they're, they're full steam ahead. They're not, not backtracking and people are laying out that cash. So, I mean, is that one of the things in terms of like looking forward to 2021, more big projects, higher, you know, components, higher costs. Is that something that we're looking forward to? I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know if it's for the sake of just making those games be expensive for the sake of being expensive. I think mm-hmm. it's, obviously you've got to match an experience that meets that dollar amount that you've tacked onto that. Right. And I think that's where some companies have seen where they miss, right? Like they, you know, we don't, does somebody want the eighth zombie side edition? You know, I think those started to like, you know, I think even Simon saw like, we can't keep making zombie sides. We have to do something else. And so, you know, if you're asking somebody for, you know, triple digits for just the base game, you better bring an experience in an amount of hours of gameplay that matches that, that investment. And uh, so I, 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 to kind of talk to you about your point though, I think, I think it's been interesting to watch. Uh, overall, I think spending on Kickstarter was down in 2020 because people were being a bit more cautious. Right. But then on the other side of that, people are holed up in their house and they can't go anywhere. So they're looking for things to entertain themselves. They, uh, if, if, if their workplace wasn't impacted, right. Even if you're working from home, but your salary wasn't reduced or, or whatever, you have the same amount of income, but you don't have as many as expenditures, expenditures because you can't go anywhere. You can't go on right. vacation. You can't mm-hmm. do anything. So you've got a little extra coin in your pocket, yeah. you know, compared to other years. Yeah, they I think that's where like, we've seen spending, you know, they, they talk about like K shaped. So like, uh, you know, so maybe kind of the lower end project, fewer lower end project, fewer than funding and everything, but the big end project ended up mushrooming, you know, Frosthaven 14 million or something like that. Yeah. And like, if, if, if you caught 
the attention of that person who's blessed to work from home yep. and they have that stimulus check or they have whatever, you know, the support, if you're an EU or something like that, you got that payroll support, even though you weren't working mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a lot of you and your, your mind just went to those, those big signal flares, you yeah. know? And I think, I, I just feel like companies are going to try to make that so to speak, like they're going to try to put more resources into making those big signal flares that might blow up and get some of that money that people are sitting on. Well, I think, I mean, if you're, if you're a publisher, I think you think about every type of game that you could make, you know, and I think it all comes down to what is your brand? What are you, what right. do you want to be known for? And, and, and what do you feel like you have the competency to compl- to take to the finish line? Right. Cause uh, I mean, I've, bought plenty of great big expensive kickstarters that didn't stay in my collection you know because it fell short somewhere whether that was on the theme or the mechanic or whatever and so uh you know i i will there be will there be dream chasers out there go after some of those i definitely think so sure um this is and some will say well, that's what you're doing james and 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 this because this is our first like and and I don't know if we've talked about this, but this kind of could be a trend that we also start to see mm-hmm. is that this is going to be a Kickstarter only for us. Um, yeah. It's not going to have a retail release like every single one of our other campaigns. And it's, there's a lot of business reasons for that, but also like when a, when a game is a hundred plus dollars, it's really hard for a local gaming store to invest in those units to put on their shelf. So they're, they're not supported as well. And so you have to look at that as a business and go, well, even if I make a retail version of this game, is anyone going to, you know, is it going to be supported and brought in through the distro channels? And so we decided not to, we decided we're going to do Kickstarter only. And I think we may start to see some more of that because um, that, that wholesale channel is, is, is brutal. It's brutal. Uh, 5,000 games a year are coming out. So your gaming stores, they can't carry all of those. So there's games, that are just going to be not carried. And uh, it's a, it's a huge risk for a publisher to say, print two, three, four, 5,000 copies of a game. And then them sit in a warehouse and mm-hmm. it's money. It's, it's, it's lost money on your investment. It's lost money in storage. It's right. lost money in potential. It's, it's all bad. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, talking about trends for 2021 that we see more mm-hmm. Kickstarter exclusive Kickstarter only uh, or, people not coming to Kickstarter and just going to retail and saying, you know what? Cause it is a ton of bandwidth, a ton of resources to make a single Kickstarter project. I could make three retail games with the same amount of effort that we put into a single Kickstarter. Right. So you've just got to like hedge your bets and go, well, where, where are people going to support me? Where are our games going to get people's attention? And then that's the channel that we got to go down. So this isn't necessarily a trend, but it is something that's kind of like an after effect. Uh, that happened. So, like, it happened with Batman, Gotham City Chronicles for Monolith. It happened, um, I think, Seventh Continent had this, uh, the secondary market. So, when you mm-hmm. have these Kickstarter games, then now you have people that are backing basically to sell it. Sure. You know, and they're looking to, you know, they're, it's like scalping, basically. Sure. Like, you know, sure. that, that model, like, there's only a few of these. They're not going to be available all over the place. So, like, I'm going to buy this. I'm going to plant my butt in front of the arena, and I'm going to get twice what I paid for it. So, yes. Um, that is, that causes a lot of angst in the community Mm -hmm. that causes a lot of like, well, this is, you know, people feel like they're being cheated or people, they feel like they're being, I don't know. Like there's just a lot of feelings 
there. So, I mean, I don't give a lot of feelings. A lot of feelings. <laughs> that's a great, that's a quote. Let's put that on a t-shirt. A lot of feelings. <laughs> Just a lot of feelings. <laughs> well, you know, it's one of those things. I think, you know, I think blood rage really set the stage for all of this, right? Mm. Blood rage blew up. We all, like I was actually onboarding into the industry around 2015 when that was super, super hot. And you're like, I have got to have Fenrir. Well, you go to eBay and Fenrir is a hundred bucks just right. for Fenrir. And you're like, man, if I would have bought this. I it's just, just the mini. It's not even like extra yeah. compartment. Part of the mini. That's it, right? right? Like, um, it's, a, it's a huge risk to be a scalper in this. And so you take it and you buy these units. What if the game turns out to suck? You know, it just is bad. Well, then you've got maybe you bought a copy or two and you're sitting on them and you got nothing, you know. Um, there is the collectible side of things. And I do think you're always going to have opportunistic people who want to go for that. And that, that appeals to them, right? It's gambling. People like to gamble. Um, it does, it, does it feel bad on the backside when you didn't discover a game, you play it with a friend, you've got to have that game, and now you've got to pay secondary uh market prices sure mm -hmm. I, you know i don't think anybody gets excited about saying i could have got this for half the price back in the day but at the end of the day you've just got to decide you've got you've got your own disposable income and you have to decide how you're going to spend it um i don't think there's any any way to get around the collectible side of things i mean we see right. that in comics toys whatever right like I, I still cry about the comics some of the comics i threw away as a kid and and some of the toys that i had that like you see like i had that toy I had it. oh <laughs> i could get 10 grand for that stupid Ninja Turtle Kung Fu grip thing, you know? And you're like, ah, dang it. But uh, I don't, I don't have a solid answer for that, but I, it, it exists. And, and yeah, I, I mean, you know, I guess like as a publisher, because like, obviously as a gamer, we get, we, again, our feelings and we don't like to have our feelings heard, blah, blah, blah. But like, it, it, is there ever a point where a publisher sees that and says, there's so much angst in the community that this whole Kickstarter only thing isn't really worth it. I'm, yeah, maybe. I, I don't know. Um, I, what I hope is that we, we make a fair, a fair presentation and give everybody access as best we can. You know, um, there's things that we don't, we're not going to do that we don't like that we see other companies do with the way that they set things up. Like we're going to do our best to be like, uh, Hey y'all, here's, here's the whole game. Here's, uh, the majority of the stuff is here. Uh, we're not going to hit you with a like mid campaign expansion boxes that keep raising your, price tag up we're not playing that game it's like the all-in at the beginning is the all-in and yeah do we have some add-ons sure we got some add-ons and that's the all-in it has everything with it but that price isn't going to change for you so right. you know what because i've seen people on say like a cmon campaign where you get in for the hundred on the on launch day and then you know they by the end they're going to have added three four five expansion boxes at 35 right. 40 bucks a pop and you're in at 250 bucks and I see people bailing out halfway. They're like, this is just getting too expensive for me, but they're not happy with what they already have allocated their money toward right. because they feel like I have to have it all or I don't want any of it. Mm -hmm. So, I th you know, I, don't, I can't speak to, cause I don't know anybody at CMON on the back end. I don't know what they're, they're doing or if that's a, a, a I, I, do some people consider that predatory. Do some people just consider that good business, right? That we can have those ethical right. conversations all day. Um, but I think I don't think it's a lot of times what gamers think it is because I think gamers only and consumers only look at it from the consumer point of view right. and not the business publisher side of view. And like I just explained to you why we're doing Kickstarter only is because mm -hmm. it's not going to be supported through retail and we would waste tons of resources and money trying to even do it that way. 
So it's like, we do it here. Now we will, we will offer anything that we have left over on our web store. So people will still be able to get it. But again, those are still limited. So once they're gone, they're gone. Right. And print runs aren't like, Oh, we've sold out. Let's order 250 more. Like that's not how print runs work. Mm -hmm. We have to be able to order like 5,000 is a minimum order quantity, you know? And so then you're like, well, we're out. I'm having this problem right now with Grim Forest, right? Grim Forest has been a great selling game for us, but we were, and we had two or three different print runs, Mm -hmm. but now the sales have really slowed to the point that it's like, I think we have to let this go out of print. We can't order another print run because it would take too long. It would sit in a warehouse too long for 5,000 units of, to order 5,000 units. So it just Mm -hmm. has to sit. Right. Okay. Uh, So switching from the, that like kind of customer sales product size um, to just the production of games themselves. One thing I've noticed talking to other industry folks is that dev is in some ways a lot easier. Mm -hmm. We had this entire like move and I'm a, I'm a psychotherapist. So I went virtual when, you know, so like right now it's like, my, my practice completely transformed. I do this every day, all day, (laughs) this thing. And so we had this, and I had to, I was forced to learn and all of us were forced to learn right that or else sink or swim. So then in the the game design and development world, tabletop simulator and all the, now we can like, everybody learned it just like, okay, now I got to learn it right now or else that's going to happen. And so what I'm hearing and maybe, I don't know if you, you noticed this, is that because like the barrier has kind of come down on like certain, certain aspects of, you know, design and development and contacting people and getting the word out and, you know, all that stuff that we might be in store for like another kind of boom mm-hmm. in like, you know, so. new games and, you know, new things because now I don't have to bother people anymore. Now I could just like, you know, uh, I have a discord, I can send out a, a, some, you know, some feeler somewhere who's up for it. Okay. We're going to play test it. Da, 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 da. So is that something that you think might happen? Absolutely. Um, and I'm probably the perfect person to talk this about because uh, before COVID and before, you know, quarantine, I, was like a staunch anti-digital right. TTS gamer. I did not want our games on there. I still don't want our games on there publicly, um, but I didn't want to, I, I want that physical analog experience at the table. And, <laughs> uh, you know, we, that wasn't an option. And then, so we were forced to learn it. We were forced to put all of our games on there so that we could keep devving and play testing and, and, and keep our business going. And now I'm like, I don't even know why we did it the other way before. Um, but I feel also, so bad. Every single stream that I've seen with you, you've done, you have the Bloodstone and you have the TTS going and you have like, you know, the nights where you do the live streams and everything. And I'm like, man, I got to get this going, man. <laughs> I got to figure this out. <laughs> it's, it's, but also TTS is a frustrating thing because it does not deliver the same experience at all. Like it's, it's uh, 30% less fun, 30% more time and 300% more fiddly, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, that's why people keep asking. They're like, are you going to release your games publicly? Like I had somebody this morning before this would say, Hey, is, is this going to have a public release on TTS? And we haven't made a final decision, but my, my gut says no, because if I've got one chance to impress you first impressions, I, I believe are extremely important. Sure. And I'm giving you this experience via a channel that I know is 30% less fun. 300% more fiddly, 30% longer. How is that not going to impact the way that you think this game plays? And I want to put my best foot forward. So 
Right. I don't know. I don't know, man. It, I'm torn. I'm super torn. And then, you know, I think Jesse at Quackalope had a real long, deep thread about, I hit a video about how publishers are essentially damaging themselves by pulling things off of TTS or policing it and not letting things on there. And that's a whole nother thing. That's the business side of like TTS yeah. fuels their system with free content that they don't reimburse the publishers on. Um, and to be and, clear, if you don't know Tabletop Simulator, anybody can scan cards. Anybody can get, you know, art assets and you can upload mm-hmm. them and there you are. You have made the game. You know, it's like, it's yep. basically, you. it's two steps away from piracy almost Yeah. because you're not set, you know, there's no physical copy, but like you taken somebody's game, you, you know, you gamer, not publisher gamer, but I've uploaded mm-hmm. a TTS and now you can play anything that you see in the, in the, in the shelves or anything you see behind yeah. James. Yeah. And you know, Jesse's point is um, in that video was that people who play that TTS version will go out and buy the physical copy because they want that as well. Right. But he doesn't have any data on that. That's just a feeling, right? That's, we don't know how many people play the game and then go, man, that's, that game sucks. I don't want it. Right. Right. And, and, it, but does it suck because they played it on TTS and because it's 30% less fun, 30% longer. Right. Uh, so that's where I struggle. And, and to your point, like any, anyone can upload a thing. Well, what if their mod isn't the most fluid? Right. Now you're representing my product with your version of how it might potentially play. And that affects the people who come across and play it. So that's why it's a problem from public, from the publisher standpoint, right? Like mm-hmm. you're representing my product without my permission and without my uh, guidance. Mm-hmm. Do you appreciate it as a design and dev tool though? Absolutely. And, you know, um, whether it was TTS or whether it was Tabletopia or Board Game Arena, there's quite a few, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, as an online tool, it's invaluable at this point, right? Like I don't know how we would be going forward if we didn't. It also mm-hmm. presents some really interesting challenges, Jason. Like we, <laughs> uh, we got ready to get Pebble Rock off, to Pebble Rock Delivery Service is a family game that we've got coming out actually this month. And uh, it's pickup and delivery, by the way. And if you've got young ones, this is a game we designed for gamer parents. It's mm. like you can play it with your kids. They'll play it, but you will actually enjoy it. So that's that was our whole crux. Okay. But, mm-hmm. um, so, but it's different when you've built almost the entire game in TTS and you've spent all your time with this, this digital version. And then you're like, okay, well, we need to make a, a quick prototype to make sure everything looks and feels the way we think it will analog version. And then you're like, wait, you start going through that process. And you're like this. Yeah. In TTS, you just hit this button and this thing does this thing. Well, that's not how it works in the real world. So these, these physical components have to work. And we had to make a bunch of on the, on the fly changes to the physical because it just didn't fly the same way as it did digitally. So mm-hmm. uh, it presented new challenges. And again, same thing with bloodstone, like, getting these copies of prototypes and things ready that we normally would have just had or been in the process of has been totally different this time just because of quarantine. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so those are the two big ones that I've, I, I can, I'm obviously I'm, I'm kind of on the outside. I'm a content creator. <laughs> I don't have access as much access as I want, but I'm, I'm really educated. I really want to educate myself, I should say. Sure. Um, so are there any other kind of big, short-term 2021 things that you see on the horizon for the board game industry as a whole? I think we're going to continue to see the digital convention model, okay. um, obviously, because I don't think we're going to have physical. 
Um, I mean, we're, just, we're, people are hopeful. Like PAX is still not, they're still hoping. <laughs> no, I'm just shaking my that. head. It ain't happening, team. It ain't happening. Uh, you don't you think, know, I, okay, so we're, we could pay, um, so what, PAX Unplug happens in November, yeah. right? November, December, like, you know, Thanksgiving or whatever. Do you think that it'll happen in person at least some limited way? I'm holding out hope for packs in Essen and Essen specifically yes, because yes. it's not in the U S where everything's hot dog water. Um, <laughs> but also who knows if Essen will even let us Americans come to it with how bad we're doing over here. Um, I, that's, that's my hope. I, I don't think, I don't Essen's think Gen Con, any of the summer stuff, none of that's going to happen. We're not going to have things rolled. I mean, if you've even tried to go get the vaccine at this point, um, you know, unless you're high risk, like it's not even close to being rolled out for just mm-hmm. a 38 year old normal person. So we've got a lot of layers that, and rightfully so that need it first. Um, so hopefully maybe when the new administration comes in, there's some, I know there's some new, um, initiatives in place that maybe we can roll things out faster. I think uh, Biden right. announced that he wanted a hundred million vaccine doses administered in the first hundred days of, uh, right. of his administration. So if, if they're able to hit that mark, that that's a third, that's a third of Americans. Sure. So that's huge. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll see, you know, we, there's just so many unknowns right now, Jason. I mean, so many variables and unknowns, mm-hmm. but, but the, when we uh, talk about virtual conventions, so like that's going to be a thing. I think it's going to have to be right. I think Gen Con and the, and the gammas and the uh, origins and all that stuff, they they've got to keep some momentum going. Something. Yeah. So there's going to be something. I just know about you, but I personally, I have not been a big fan. I don't, I don't get engaged in those. No. So what I am interested though, is to see how people, I mean, n- people know that, right? So how do they adapt? What are they going right. to do to make it different? Because, okay, well, last year we threw these digital conventions together and they sucked and nobody attended them and they right. weren't fun. So how, what do we do different? Do we just keep doing the same thing again because we have to do right. something or do we try to iterate? Do we try to innovate and try to do something and, different? And a lot of them try to reproduce the same structure. So like you had your virtual hallway and then you had people buying virtual booths. And I mean, was, is that the thing that we need to do? I'm not smart enough to figure out what could, what else we could do, but like, is there something that, is there something else that we can do to like not just reproduce a facsimile of, you know, hallways and booths and all that? Right. Yeah, I don't, I don't know either. Um, I would say we, we've, I'm hoping people are looking outside of our industry and seeing what other industries are doing, mm-hmm. seeing what's successful there and seeing what we can port in. Um, but I don't, I, you know, I just, I don't think anybody's excited about those digital cons. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping, <laughs> no. I'm hoping that they don't just put their head down and just keep doing it. Cause we have to do them. Like we don't have a choice. Like right. you have to be there or people think you're out of business or, or you're not relevant anymore. Um, but I'd really love to see something fresh for, cause it's going to be this way minimum another six months. You yeah. Know, minimum, minimum through like lingering through effects through 2021 is going to be kind yeah. of dribbling out there. Um, yeah. Okay. So then I guess the ending on a possibly hopeful note. Um, so you hear a lot and I, I, I try to like read a lot like, like economics and stuff. I think every economist is looking at this as going, if we can kick this, we are in for a massive boom. You have pent up demand. Mm-hmm. You have all people have, you know, especially if you have means, you have a lot of money saved up and just you're just dying to, to find things, especially experiences. You know, you want to, sure. you there are no experiences. So now we want to spend it on experiences, go on that vacation we've never thought of and everything. So there's pent up energy to just like live again and spend again. So does that 
do you feel like that could resound in board gaming where like we can get this kind of like not like a golden age but like you know a real resurgence and people are just going to be you know that the the gate the hobby is just going to kind of be on fire i hope so (laughs) i hope so because i also know not just for us but other publishers like people haven't you haven't seen a lot of uh heard of a lot of publishers going out of business yeah that's true but i can promise you there are plenty that are on the edge right there's plenty that are like just holding on by the skin of their teeth and just waiting for things to come back so if that boom does happen, I, I do, I do, I do agree with you. Like, like those experiences, we all want them. I know I'm itching. Right. I'm like, I gotta go somewhere. <laughs> I gotta do something. Right. Uh, and and we're we're you know we're there. As soon as we're able to do it safely, it's like cool. Let's go get that vacation that we've been right. waiting on. Like I'm sensing like a like you know because people are kind of pooping on it. There's a lot of bad stuff happening, but like the, I'm I, I I'm a positive guy. I'm sensing that like just an engine raring to go. And yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think even if you don't have the resources just for your sanity, you're going to charge it. You're going to, I, I gotta go. I gotta, I gotta put this on the credit card. We yeah. gotta go do something. Cause we can't. Um, like, and so I, people I might go to Essen. Like you might have the most well-attended Essen in the history of the world. <laughs> yeah. Before pandemic, you'd be like, I'm never going to be able to afford to go to Germany and, and right. do Essen. And now you're like, I don't care. I'm charging it. I'll pay my $25 for the rest of my life, but I'm going to do this right now. I I'm think going to come back with an armful of games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think board game conventions are going to be heavily attended once they're safe. I think people are going to be excited to spend time with their friends, mm-hmm. having that experience, walk in the hall, being able to bump into somebody again. How freaking weird is that? I bumped into you and we both didn't freak out, you know? Yeah, I do. I think I think that's a thing. and I don't think it has anything to do. I think it's going to be a, globally. I think it's going to be across everything. It's going to be movies. It's going to be everything. People are going to be dying to go have those experiences again. Sure. All right. So I think I covered all of my questions. Anything uh, last minute in terms of the topic or in terms of Bloodstone that may have like kind of popped up in your head? I don't want to bore anybody else with anything else. I could literally sit here and talk about Bloodstone for days and hours. So uh, <laughs> no, I, I just, I just hope everybody goes and gives right. it a look at least, you know, I understand that not every project's for everybody. Uh, and I know that combat arena is also polarizing, but um, I think we've put a lot of really, it's not for lack of effort. We put in a ton of work and uh, the artwork is amazing. David mm-hmm. Keg, I love to always talk about the team that I work with. David Keg is an amazing artist uh, and a very awesome human. Like we've like, again, going like going with Sue's talking to Sue's about like some of the things that we, uh, you know, trying to put these cultures together, even though it's a fantasy world, right? Like, you know, it's still, you're still representing different cultures through the different people that you've made in the game and just representation in general for us is important. If you go back to Grim Forest, you see all the representation choices we made on Grim Forest, Grim Forest in every game. I was actually, I was really proud to see this week. Somebody said, how many games can you name that had a black female uh, lead character on the cover art? Right. And guardians call was mentioned because Zira, our, our priestess there, she was, she was our main character uh, and you know, pro- predominantly right there on the front cover with the other characters. And so uh, this, this is, you know, I want people to be able to see themselves in the game. I've always been able to see myself in a game. Why is that? Why can't other people? Um, and so that's, you know, that's, that's always our aim. And we, but we want to do it the right way, not just uh, right. tokenize it and just chunk it in there. Right. But I hope Commodify people can go back and look exactly. at our whole catalog and go, these, these guys aren't, they're not doing token work. They, this has been here from day one, you know? Mm-hmm. 
and it's a fun game. Like that, you know, it, it isn't just about like representation, obviously very, very important, but you know, I think there's that, there's that in the sector of a community is always going to be like, okay, they're spending a lot of time here. Is it fun? It's all I care about. Okay, fine. If that's, if I don't want to talk anything about people who, who feel that way, there's something here for you too. Co-op has been designed from the ground up. Uh, not well, I mean like envisioned I should say from the ground right. up you get that raid boss mentality over here you have uh, uh, you know dice that are thoughtfully integrated that are, uh, that's what I'm hearing yeah uh, it's not just like dice just for the heck of it just the dice does not necessarily equal excitement they have to be put in there smartly it sounds like there's been a lot of thought put in uh, just a lot of you know a lot of stuff that's coming in this package so bloodstone uh, I will put links to the trailer and to the notify me because uh, I'm sure that, you know, the whole Notify Me on launch thing yeah, is important. Jason, we also have a really cool promo page uh, where you can get a custom D20 if you sign up with your email. Just all we do is add you to our newsletter. Um, so we, we send out one newsletter a month about just Skybound Tabletop. But this is specifically for a launch notification for Bloodstone. It's a custom D20 that you'll get with your pledge if you end up getting the game. And it's actually a D20 that has the Bloodstone inside of it. It's a clear dice but it has the bloodstone inside of it it's we've got an image of it on the page <laughs> bloodstone the this was mr james hudson from drew city games slash skybound games and this was a latest shelf star hope that you enjoyed it so um this is jason reminding you if you can change your mind you can change the world so until next time later everybody bye <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us again for the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast. Check out our YouTube channel at One Stop Co-op Shop. Also, join us for games and discussion on our Discord channel. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash one stop or leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks again and we'll see you next week for another top five list.